Welcome back to another episode of You Are Just a Number podcast, a podcast regarding leadership, teamwork, process improvement, and the passion people display. Today's podcast is part two with our conversation with Dr. John Zellum regarding the role of a physician advisor. And just like in part one, we continue our editorial opinions on quite a few issues. Both Dr. Zellum and I would like to hear your opinions regarding our conversation. You can reach us at my website, which is youarejustanumber.com, or send me an email at jim at youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters U R just a number.com, all one word. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. So specialization in medicine is becoming very, very important. Okay. For instance, okay. You know, years ago, you know, go back. I mean, you went, you, you had doctors visit you at home and this and that, and you know, but if you had surgery, you went to many different things, but now they, they've improved like cardiology. Okay. Um, they've improved, you know, the heart procedures. Okay. So there's much more specialization in the medical world. Okay. So if you have all this specialization, okay, it, it, in essence, it has created, I'm going to call information silos. Okay. Because you have, I mean, if you have a situation, well, you need to go see this specialist because they saw something in, um, in one of your tests. Okay. Or, or your CAT scan. And then you have to go see somebody else because they saw something else. So it becomes a specialist, okay? But I think, does that not create less communications? More, there's an issue there surrounding all this specialization, okay? I mean, that that's, that's what I'm trying to come back to and say that. And the other thing I want to say to you is that, you know, doctors need to be doctors, and take care of the people. And I understand the documentation factor, but are we giving them so much responsibility of documentation that they're not, you know, doing the doctoring like that one with Chris, I forgot her last name. I had her, you know, she spends all her stuff on, on, on like reading a 1700 page document for all her clients because of all these medical changes. And yet how can a doctor take care of all his documentation and on the same token, stay abreast in his field. You just asked a question that could take three days to answer. Well, do it in three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, physicians should not be considered the be all and end all of all of the knowledge. I mean, the amount of knowledge that there is in medicine, especially as every day goes forward, there are new things that are learned, et cetera. There's a book that's written by a Dr. Lawrence Weed and his son called Medicine in Denial. And there's one paragraph that I always refer to. I don't have it handy in front of me right now. But in essence, it says doctors should not be expected to know all aspects of um, every part of medicine. And that's true, they can't. There's just way too much knowledge to be gotten. Therefore, it is necessary for specialists um, 
Yeah, you know, in using the term, they, it, it, it becomes knowledge silos, as, as you said. But, you know, as you and I have talked about silos, the, the, the silos need to be broken down. And as you always say, rebuilt, because you're not going to eliminate silos and silos are not necessarily a bad oh, no. thing, but they they're, need- They're to... good. There's good and bad with it. The problem right. is silos don't talk. That, that's right. They need to be rebuilt for cross-functionality, knowledge sharing, accountability, standardization, and um, there's one other one too that I always include with that. And we see that actually in, in, in medicine that um, on the other hand, it, 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 I can't do this in three minutes. And the other hand, <laughs> On the other wow. hand, I'll give you it, an extra it, 30 seconds. <laughs> on the other hand, if um, you have a patient who comes in with uh, chronic, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease with pneumonia, you remember the, 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 the Marcus Welby, MD. I mean, I'm really dating myself with that show, but that was, that was the old family doc concept. The general practitioner who did a little bit of everything even some of them in the old days, including surgery. But the expectation is, is that we, we now have it, the, the internist, the hospitalist who kind of fits that role, but not, not to the varying degree of services that they can provide. But you have this patient who comes in with a lung problem. And what happens is they immediately call a pulmonologist and they call an infectious disease person because it's, it's pneumonia. And they may have other areas that get called in. The, the managing physician might be considered like the quarterback on a football team, because I know you like football analogies. Right. And it is their role to guide everything that's going on and, and most of the time make final decisions. So you may have a consultant come in and make recommendations, but it's up to the attending physician, the quarterback of that patient to decide which one of those recommendations they're going to carry out. And, well, and, or, and or the quarterback, the quarterback sees the defense, okay? So basically you need, you need that person to see everything that's going on Right. And call audibles. Well, you need to do this and you need to do this or we need to try this. OK, because something else is changing. So sometimes the decision making is the decision of you. Well, you guys, we got to get together and talk about this because you're not seeing the defense like I am. You're only seeing your part of the field. Yeah. So so that's where the on the other hand, let's say that this hospice knows this patient, knows the infection, knows the pneumonia, and they don't get a consult from those other fields. And then something bad happens to the patient, and now you're in a litigious area. There's the potential for a lawsuit. It's not malpractice, it's a bad result. Bad results do happen that are not necessarily the fault of the doctor. I mean, the, the human body is pretty darn complicated too. Right. But yet there's another area. For, so you have to get that consult almost just to, just to satisfy the, the legal aspect of the, the patient care. That's why they talk about the medical legal aspect and it adds to the complexity. Right. right. So, 
So, you know, that's why I think the specialization we were talking about it is you, you definitely need that communications. And I, I, I also believe, and this is just me from looking on the outside in, if, if you're so detailed about the care, so, and I understand documentation is super important, but do you, do you, and I'm asking you from the outside, do you think maybe we're putting too much on the physician with all the documentation or do, how do we simplify that? So we get the right documentation, not the copy and paste. Okay. The right documentation in the file. Okay. So he can do his thing, but he can do it in a quick way. You have just described one of the biggest complaints on the part of physicians and one of the biggest challenges is that the, the documentation is, um, it, it, it's quite a requirement, but the problem is, is that the documentation needs to be there in order to justify the services provided. Uh, it's like, you know, the, the payers need to, and I'm going to talk about this in the, the purest form because it, it's it's been well, there's a term that I want to use. Ah, what the hell I'm going to use it? It's been bastardized um, because if you brought your car in to be fixed and you get a bill for fifteen hundred dollars and you go there and they say, "All right, you owe us fifteen hundred dollars," and you're going to say, "For what? What did you do?" I, need, I want an itemized receipt, okay? So they provide you with an itemized receipt. Now you brought it in because your air, condition, air conditioner wasn't working, but you see carburetor replaced, and I don't know anything about cars, so I could be talking through my hat, but carburetor replaced for $500. And you say to yourself, well, that wasn't what I brought it in for. Why did you have to replace the carburetor? So now you're looking for an explanation as to why that was done. Without documentation, are you going to pay that bill? No. No. So it's the same way that the third-party payers, whether it be Medicare, whether it be the commercial payers, are looking for justification to pay for what was done. And I'll tell you, the amount of fraud that exists in, in, in medicine is just staggering. Um, and part of it is, is due to, the, to, there's a number of reasons why it occurs, but that's another rabbit hole. But there is fraud, and they are looking for justification, documentation to support why the doctor made that decision. They're not, they're generally not questioning the decision, but tell me why you needed to do such and such a thing. Tell me, tell me what was going on with the patient. Tell me, were, were they acute enough to justify an inpatient level of care when maybe some of those things could have been done at a lesser level? Now, again, as I said before, that whole situation has been bastardized because the commercial payers don't necessarily, they don't always use the documentation. They don't always get the documentation in order to make their proper decisions. So uh, that's the reason why. And, and how do you lessen the amount of documentation? That's the question of the century. I don't, or let's say the decade. I don't know. Well, on, yeah. the other, on the other hand, let me, just one last thing. Yeah. Physicians are not the be all and end all. There are, I once heard it described, there's a great book that's out there. It's called Why Hospitals Should Fly. 
and they utilize the concept that's going on in aviation. And, and again, this is another rabbit hole to go down, but. Well, that's up because we're flying. <laughs> that's true. It's a, it's a black hole. Okay. Um, but, you know, the physician kind of places themselves in the center of a circle and they have all of these other services around them the nurses, the lab technicians, the, the others, but the physicians feel the responsibility that they need to make all the decisions. Whereas, um, you know, if, if you look in the emergency room where you get a trauma patient coming in, everybody plays a role, the physician plays a role, the physician may be the final decision maker, but takes input from the nurses, the respiratory therapists, the the EKG people, et cetera. And that's, so the physician many times should be considered on the outside of that circle uh, because they're not responsible, although medical legally they end up being responsible. Um, they should not be responsible for all of the decisions. In the book, Hospital Should Fly, the CEO of this, of this hospital allows anybody to question him or her on the decisions that they make if they don't think it's a good decision, which brings us back to the Toyota principle number five, I believe it is, where any, any employee on the assembly line has the right to stop the assembly line if they see a problem that should be changed without repercussions. Right. And, and the, the, the physician should not be considered, again, the be all and end all of the entire operation. We've kind of placed ourselves there. Yep. But I got to tell you, I got, you know, you know, I'm retired. So for you people that are listening and I, 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 I do a quite, quite a few crazy things. And one of the things I do is I drive shuttle for these two hotels occasionally for um, I'm actually going to say Epic systems. Okay. Well, all right to say, yeah, uh, because I, I live in Madison and, and Epics is in Verona, like five miles from where I live. But anyway, so I take a lot of uh, people um, that go to Epic to and from the airport. And I always love to have conversations with them. I've talked to IT people. I've talked to nurses. I've talked to doctors. I've talked to executives. I talked to a lot of people and I always ask them what they see as the problem, this and that. And I got to tell you something you said to me, I got to tell you this little story because you, you, you said they're always looking for something. So this doctor, we were talking one time, a doctor, and he came back and he says, you know, what they really need to do and I just want to throw this at you. What okay. we really need to do is, he says, you know, we need the insurance companies need to start, should be paying like, um, and I'm just going to throw a number because I don't remember what he said. So like, take you, to take care of Jim, the insurance company needs to pay that doctor two thousand dollars, unless you know. And, and if there's a major problem, then it goes above me. We're just talking about your typical calls. He says because he says. Basically, a lot of the times they get a phone call and they're looking for advice. Well, you, you, they set up an appointment. Well, you got to set up an appointment. You got to set up an appointment. He, he said, we can avoid a lot of those appointments if they would just pay us to take care of it because we can answer it on the phone and get them the right stuff and everything like that. But if we don't get an appointment from them, then we don't get reimbursed from the insurance companies. Okay. So what, what do you mean by an appointment, Jim? They have to go into the have a doctor's office oh. a lot of times. Oh, come in and see me. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, the, so what he's saying is, you know what? 
if, if you, if you, you know, if you branch some of the simple things off, he says, because we can answer a lot of these questions on the phone, but we don't get paid for it. So we recommend for you to have a doctor's office. And that's how they get paid for taking care of this patient that they could have easily taken care of on the phone. What do you think of that? I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I have been the, in that, I guess it's now my, my turn to be, speak strongly. But what that tells me is that it's all about getting paid. It's not about patient care. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I'll play the role in the other one, okay? If, 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 if again, if insurance companies maybe come with a small amount, it would be different. I, I don't know, John, but he, he's saying, you know, he wants an office visit. And I, well, I get I get it. It's, it's not about the patient, but, you know. On the other hand, the, the, the other side to that is maybe the physician is not getting paid adequately for the office visits that they do. And that's one of the reasons why they will look for other ways to get additional income. But here's my turn to get chastised, potentially. Okay. What profession charges for missed office visits? Uh, doctor's offices. Exactly. No other profession, not even lawyers will pay for missed office visits. And so I have been, I've been going to physician offices where they have me sign a paper that I say I will agree to pay anywhere from 25 to $50 for a missed office visit. And my response to them is, no, I won't. They ask me why and I'll say, well, let's put it this way, um, that I'm gonna use some, some variable terms, but uh, I am worth $300 an hour. If my appointment is for 1.30 and you don't see me till two o'clock, you owe me 150 bucks. So if you agree to that, that's risk sharing. If you agree to that, I'll pay for a missed office visit, which will never occur anyway, because I will do my best to never, uh, not, to not show up and not have let you know why I couldn't show up. But typically the response I get is, no, we're good. We're good. So, so the, the, the reason I bring up these examples is not that I'm trying to, to tick off anybody who's going to be listening to this, but I'm just trying to say there are challenges on both sides. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there are, there, are, there are companies now that are buying physician practices that come, and I'm not going to say that, what I was going to say. Um, and they're, they're, they're putting these metrics on the physicians that they have to see a certain number of patients an hour. They have to production metrics. And that's leading to the problem too. So again, it comes down to, it's a very complex situation. And yeah. I, a lot, that's why I need all these consultants to try and solve it. Well, that's true. I, I, I'm not denying that. I, I'm not denying that. I, I, I mean, like you said, it's complex, but I, I think, and again, the problem is it needs to be simplified, okay? You'll never simplify anything with lawyers in the legal system. You just won't, okay? I mean, I remember, and again, I'm going off on a tangent here. We but, may have to list all the enemies we created today. Well, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I went back and, um, you know, I, had, I did a will, okay? And I have an estate and all this stuff okay so 
this is a few years ago. And, and my lawyer, you know, well, first one, the first visit's always free. But after that, I pay for everything, even if we're on the phone. Okay, we do a Zoom meeting, I'm paying for it. Okay, which I'm okay with. Okay, the lawyer's very good. And, you know, he sent me these documents and he says, you know, read them and let me know if you have any questions. So I say, I came back to him. I says, well, he sent me like a one thing. I think it was a trust. It was like 15 pages. I said, well, I got like about 15 pages worth of questions. Okay. Okay. Because you say it in words, I don't understand. Okay. I read, I, I said, I, I read a couple of these paragraphs. I have no clue what you're even saying here. So I paid to go to the office and for him to explain all this to me. And I find out a lot of this is in legal terms for when it goes to the courtroom when I die. Okay, that it all makes sense. And, and it's like, for every loophole, there is no loopholes. Okay, I'm, I'm blocking all rabbit holes. Okay, this is what happens when I go here. This is what happens, what happens. So I mean, I find I find it interesting, like you were saying. But the problem is, okay, it's all in a language that people don't understand. And I don't think you'll ever simplify the medical field that much when lawyers are involved. Okay. The thing that complicates it is that you have you have third parties. It's the third parties that are paying for the services provided. It's not like you go to the store, you buy a product, you pay the person behind the counter. There's no third party. Right. But it's right. like bringing somebody in with you to the store that's going to pay for what you buy but they want to know why you bought that. And you have to justify so that they'll pay for it. That's exactly what the system is. But there's, again, there's other, there's other complexity in it in the sense that um, there's a thing called the charge master that exists in hospitals, which is, I guess it, it's, it's a, uh, a list. It's, it's a secret Bible. <laughs> it, yes, somewhat. But it's it's a list of the services, whereas it, it you know they they go to see well how much do two Tylenol cost oh forty five dollars, well where did you how did you come up with forty five dollars? But years ago when I was practicing, what would happen is that we would get paid less we would get paid a percent of charge, so every year we would increase our charges so that the percent of charge would also go up. And what's happened over time is that that's the way payments go at a percent of the charge. So if you increase the charge, you're gonna get paid more. Yeah, so. Um... And, and but now the problem behind that is that if you, and we're, again, we're going down another rabbit hole, but if you, if you go out of network, you could be responsible for all of those extra charges, all those artificially inflated charges, because then that's how the hospitals make up for the low payments they get from the, the patients that are in network. So let's just put all that burden on those that are out of network and, or those that don't even have insurance and let them pay those extra amounts. Well, John, I got to say, we went down quite a few tangent holes over here. <laughs> okay. So I, I think, you know, Everything we talked about is great. I mean, I hope you, the listeners, you know, like it. What I, you know, I think at times it would be great to have maybe even more people involved in a podcast like this. 
to have a like a roundtable discussion to have you know different opinions of it of, of certain things you know so you know i i might try that um you know why don't you, why don't you offer that people that listen to this because they have to go through your website yeah if, that listen to it offer questions and comments and have them sent to you so that we have a feeling for how the the uh the reception was for this content okay sounds good so in Parting, John, I think we covered everything from A to Z, meaning PA, the physician assistant, okay, advisor, advisor, okay. Um, and so going on, I mean, uh, with the uh, physician advisor, do you, do you like see him more, I guess I want to ask you this, do you see him the, the quarterback uh, reading everything or more of the coach on the outside looking in and guiding things, knowing he, he can't play in the game? The answer is yes. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I see them as an integral part, an okay. integral, integral component of, uh, uh, again, of trying to be a facilitator in order to help things function well and properly and appropriately. Okay. How's that for a political answer? That is great. So, John, I appreciate you taking the time out and talking to us again and i uh, will definitely get the word out i'd love to see some feedback get some questions and answers and uh i mean questions I, I i have no answers okay and to see if we get some people together okay all right thanks john all right have Thank a great day you too bye-bye well I hope you enjoyed the final part of Dr. Zellum's talk regarding the role of a physician advisor. Again, please feel free to give us your opinion on today's podcast. Send those comments to jim at youarejustanumber.com. That's the letters you are just a number.com, all one word. As you know, I am always looking for unique and interesting stories to share with our listeners. So if you have an interesting idea or story you would like to talk about, just contact me at youarejustanumber.com. Until next time, have a great day.